I'm Jessica Harris, and welcome to my welcome table. Gather round this special table. It's scarred with memories, pitted with burned spots from hot skillets, and decorated with moisture rings from frosty glasses of lemonade, beer bottles, bourbon and ginger ale, and untold goblets of red wine. This table will be our flying carpet as we travel around the world. I'll share some of my secret spots. We'll meet new friends and reconnect with old ones. Sometimes, the table will be covered with fine porthot linen and my mother's bone china, and we'll sup on caviar and champagne. Other times, we'll cover it with yesterday's news and hanker down for a crawfish boil or a lobster supper. Whatever the meal, by the end of our time together, we'll have shared some special friends, sacred spots, and the food, drink, and music that connects them. So come, join me at my welcome table. Hi, my name's Mitzi Pratt, and I'm sitting at the welcome table. I'm Patrick Dunn, and I'm sitting at the welcome table. My name is John Barkley, and I'm sitting at the welcome table. My name is Anne McBride, and I'm sitting at the welcome table. I'm Betty Fussell, and I, too, am sitting at the welcome table. degrees north, 59.62 degrees west, Barbados. first time that I ever went to Barbados. It was in the mid-1970s, and it was my first trip as the assistant travel editor of Essence magazine. To say that I was unsure of what to expect would be gross understatement. I knew that I would be writing an article about the country and about its people and culture, but what I had no idea of was what. In that era before Barbados became the tourist mecca that it currently is, The visitors who arrived were mostly British and either upper-class or with firm upper-class pretensions. Cobbler's Cove, a wonderful roost in St. James on the island's northwestern corner, known as the Platinum Coast, was the kind of place that catered to them. I remember the startled look on the faces of the staff as I proudly registered, and later I set about exploring the island. I'd been given the name of Carol Cadogan, the island's preeminent fashion designer, who became a lifelong friend, and I journeyed down to the Hilton outside of Bridgetown to visit her in her boutique there called Petticoat Lane. the evenings at the Island Inn where the best-known local group was called The Merry Men. The all-white group sang calypsos and island songs in a decidedly European manner, and I continued to be bemused 
by the island's resolute Britishness. Unlike the other Caribbean islands, Barbados has had only one colonial ruler until independence, which makes for the decidedly British air of the place. After all, this is the place that is sometimes referred to as Bimshire, where a prime minister during World War II once wrote to Churchill, Fear not, Mr. Churchill, Barbados is behind you. Bridgetown boasts its own Trafalgar Square, and the literacy rate is one of the world's highest among the top five. Bajans, as Barbadians are affectionately known, are more than a bit fiercely independent and proud of their home. I do remember learning that. I also remember rum shops and sampling fried chicken served piping hot from coal pots that women cooked on on a street called Baxter's Road. This was all before it got sanitized. The chicken was fragrant with a slurry of green that I later learned is made up of green herbs like culantro called shadow benny, scallions, chives, and it's seasoned with more than a tip of scotch bonnet chili. It went well, the chicken did. It went very well with Banks beer and the occasional rum and coke. I remember the Women's Self-Help Association on Bridgetown's main drag, where I found homemade preserves and chutneys and candies that I carefully wrapped and brought home, beginning a lifetime of hauling and toting food over state lines and across borders. Most of all, though, I remember the cane, the sugar cane that then covered most of the island. Cane is fierce in Barbados, dense, brutal. Its towering green stalks watch sentinel-like over passing history as it dominates roadsides. Monthly, it increases, creating fortresses of green that slowly grow to blot out the sky. Then, in the flash of a cutlass, or a reaping machine, it disappears to reveal dark, loamy soil pocked with shards and stubble until new shoots appear and the cycle begins anew. This is the cane that Richard Ligon must have seen when he first stepped forth onto Barbadian shores in 1647 to witness firsthand the birth of the spirit we know as rum. What madness of conquest drove the British to the Caribbean, we'll only be able to surmise. Certainly if they squinted their eyes against the brutal Caribbean sun, the rolling moors of St. Andrew's Parish could maybe be mistaken for northern European ones which they had left. But the climate was cruel, hellish. It burned skin, melted candles, and turned shoes that were any color but russet into a mass of mildew and mold. The British, though, ignored all of this in search of money and the wealth that could come from breaking the Spanish and Portuguese monopolies on sugar and increasing their fortunes with profits made from selling the beverage that would come to be known as rum. Chief, this is my sister, Duchess Estonia Dolworth. And the proud founder of the Society of Dry Women. Demon rum will efface you, demon rum. You disgrace you, you're an evil too. 
Wine fills the holy grail of the religions that originated near the grape-growing Mediterranean basin, but rum is the sacrament of the New World. It has imprinted its mark on the history of a region, and Barbados is where it all began in the Caribbean. The British arrived there in 1627 and by the middle of the same century had learned from the Dutch of northeastern Brazil how to use the plantation system and produce large amounts of sugar using slave labor. This knowledge marked the beginning of the sugar revolution that would transform the agriculture and the complexion of the entire Caribbean region. By the late 17th and 18th centuries, colonial Barbados was known in a place where taverns and rum shops outnumbered churches by more than two to one. The sugar revolution resulted in the term as rich as a Barbadian planter as an expression of the vast sugar wealth of the region and the nouveau riche excesses that it spawns. Planter's days were passed in an alcoholic haze as they moved from morning flips and cobblers and beakers of shrub to lakes of punch at the evening's festivities before capping off the day with a nightcap or two of more rum. However, all was not punches and sangaree. For more than three centuries, rum fueled the transatlantic slave trade being exchanged for human cargo on the ports of Western and Central Africa. The drink there became so popular by the late 18th century it had replaced French brandy as a means of exchange all up and down the West African coast. But Barbados and its cane is where it began. Since my original trip to the island, I've visited repeatedly, especially during the almost decade that I consulted for almond resorts there. Today's Barbados is different from the one I first visited. Its booming economy seems to transform more and more acres of sugarcane into condominium dwellings, superhighways with roundabouts and flyovers, and golf courses on each visit. Yet somehow, as though the cane itself knows that it was the original reason for the island's wealth, it can still grind the newly built multi-lane superhighways to a screeching halt. In the harvest season, all Bajans know that being stuck behind a cane truck is a thing to be feared. It is guaranteed to make you late for an appointment, and depending on the heat and the level of air conditioning in the car, it is guaranteed to make you sweat. If I'm not trying to make a plane back to my northern home, however... I revel in the way that a 17th century industry can bring the 21st to a screeching halt and sit calmly in back of my taxi, searching out the alleys of royal palms that are the pentimento of former sugar estates, looking for the windmills that turn the crushers and the square chimneys that once belched the sweet smell of burning bagasse from the boiling house fires. Being stuck behind a cane truck gives me time to think about the world of rum and just how it transformed not only Barbados, but also the hemisphere. But the cane is decreasing, although the rum continues. The Barbados I first knew has changed. The Merrymen are a memory 
only to those of many years. And the younger Barbadians revel in Calypso and Soca. Never forget that Rihanna is proudly Bajan. British feeling sometimes returns in some such traditional forms as landship, a combination self-help neighborhood organization and community performance that combines fife and drum music with African traditions. And there are few remaining vestiges of British reserve, but they disappear rapidly each year at Cropover. Cropover, a holiday that dates back to 1688, had its genesis and traditional celebrates at the end of the cane harvest. It was revived in 1974 by a group of individuals and the tourist board and has since morphed into an over-the-top, full-out Caribbean carnival. Today's crop over is complete with specially written calypsos, calypso tents where singers rouse the crowd with stingingly political calypsos or slide double entendre ones. Naturally, there are food fairs, craft shows, and costumed groups parading. It all culminates in the all-out, bang-up, free-for-all that is Kadumet Day, the first Monday in August. On Kadumet Day, the revelers head into Bridgetown to parade across the main stage at the National Stadium, where they're graded upon depiction of theme, skill in costume making, impact made on stage, originality, and visual impact. The bands then make their way from the stadium to Spring Garden Highway, where those who cannot join in the stadium, and those who are just out there for the fun, join in the frivolity. Cropover is the big daddy, if you will, of Barbadian festivals, but it is far from the only one. There's a jazz festival, a classical music festival, and too many others to note, making sure that there's something going on virtually whenever you're there. Looking for a quieter side to the island, those should head to the east coast and Bathsheba. There, at the Atlantis Hotel on Sundays and Wednesdays, visitors can try Barbadian buffets that feature a wide array of local specialties, ranging from their variation of the fried chicken that I savored on my first trip to the flying fish and cuckoo that are the island's national dishes. There's pickled sea cat, as octopus is called in Barbados. Bulljol a corruption of the French brûle-gueule, or burn-your-face. It's also sometimes called pick-up saltfish. There are pumpkin fritters, roast breadfruit in season, and the fish cakes that are Barbados's variation on the Caribbean saltfish fritter theme. 
Bathsheba is on the Atlantic side of the island, and so there is wild surf that appeals to an international set of surfers who can sometimes be seen riding the waves. My Jamaican friends sometimes dismiss Barbados with the chups and the derisive appellation, small island. But size doesn't seem to matter when it comes to Barbados. The island has a staggering number of restaurants of all sizes and stripes, from humble rum shops serving pudding and souse, the black pudding and pickled pig's parts that are a traditional Bajan Saturday dish, to places that you can share a corn and oil, rum and falernum with locals. Then there are the super-hit joints with breathtaking water views, where the tab for dinner will make you seriously blanch, no matter how deep your beach tan is. Barbados can be a foodie's Caribbean dream. But there's more than food and festival to the island. It has other delights as well. Of course, there's the Mount Gay Rum Factory where the history of the beverage is told and sample sips can be had. There's also the Foursquare Rum Distillery that offers self-guided tours as well as a craft village. Nature lovers can learn about tropical plants as they stroll through Andromeda Gardens. I once led a group there for design... I once led a group there for Garden Design Magazine and was amazed at the depth of information and the varieties of tropical plants. There are historic houses galore and almost too much to do when the bathtub-warm turquoise waters of the beach are not luring you. My favorite Barbados visitor spot, though, is the Barbados Museum. Located just outside of Bridgetown, it is a small gem, at the same time telling the history of the island and its people in artifacts and exhibits. It also gives a sense of what life is and has been like on the island for centuries. Now, wherever I go, I'm always on the look for a bookshop, and in Barbados, I know that there will be at least one trip to the Cloisters Bookshop in Bridgetown. They have one of the island's best collection of books, including books by Caribbean writers. Those with a taste for humor will savor Austin Clark's Growing Up Stupid Under the Union Jack, or Pigtails and Breadfruit, his culinary memoir. A more serious tone is taken by George Lamming in In the Castle of My Skin, and then there are the novels of Barbadian-American Paul Marshall, Brown Girl, Brown Stones, Connects Barbados, to my Brooklyn neighborhood. I never leave without a shopping bag full of reading, and I invariably go home fighting overweight restrictions. Another reason for the overweight is that after the bookshop, while I'm still in Bridgetown, I make a point of stopping by the same woman's self-help to see what's available and see if I can find any of that amazing mango chutney. I shop for souvenirs in supermarkets, spices, condiments, and jars of Bajan seasoning, and I never leave for home without a bottle or three of Mount Gay rum. After all, it is history in a glass. So, heavily laden, and smiling from the warmth of the sun and visits with long-standing friends, I pray I'm not stuck behind a cane truck on the route to the airport. And head for home. Well, I don't know, cause I spent all my life here living on these shores. But I am here to say my eyes are opened up one day, and now I clearly see what it really means to be Barbadian. Barbadian. Oh, Barbadian. 
So until next time. Keep good and greasy when I'm gone, gone, gone. Keep good and greasy when I'm gone, gone, gone.